Habits and Health, episode 31. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of Health and Habits, or Habits and Health even. Today's guest is Trisha Nelson. She's an internationally acclaimed author, a transformational speaker and emotional eating expert and has been on many radio and television networks, including Fox, NBC, CBS and um, and many others. So today we get into talking about body image and emotional eating and many areas around those areas. So that's coming up with Trisha Nelson. If you do enjoy this episode, if you know anyone who you think would get some value from some of the information that Trisha shares, please do share the episode with them. Hope you enjoy this week's show. Habits and Health, my guest today, Trisha Nelson. How are you, Trisha? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you here. And you're in, well, you're in the United States, I'm presuming? Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. Ah, and is that where you're from? I am originally from Boston area, actually. So how long have you been in LA? I've been in LA, I'd say about 17 years. So you're long, pretty, pretty much a Yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm a California girl at heart. You know, I grew up in Boston, but it, you know, it, was, it rained and snowed and, and I thought, I'm, this is not me. <laughs> I need warm. I need freedom to be outside. So it's, 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 it's ideal weather in LA. Right. And what is it you do in LA? So I'm the founder of Heal Your Hunger, healyourhunger.com. And my business is totally online. And uh, what I do is I help uh, people who struggle with food and weight, uh, who chronically struggle with food and weight to basically make peace with uh, their food and their weight and um, really to, to lose weight uh, without diet, crazy diets or impossible exercise programs. So um, it's a, a process of addressing and healing emotional eating. And how did this all come about? Well, totally from personal experience, as many of our of us <laughs> entrepreneurs, uh, you know, happen upon what we do. So I was an emotional eater, completely, completely obsessed with food. And I, you know, spend my every waking hour thinking about food and, and what I was going to eat. And um, I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to serve food to other people. I love to go out to dinner. <laughs> so, you know, I was totally uh, just really into food, which would not have been a problem had I not gained weight so easily. So, um, you know, this obsession with food turned pretty ugly when I would become when I became a binge eater. So I would eat massive quantities of food um, in front of the television you know, I, I, I lose control basically. So I'd be eating ice cream and brownies. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm eating more and more finishing off the package and then having chips with it, you know, cause you have to have salty with your sweet. And <laughs> so I was, you know, I'd go overboard and then I would feel completely sick and so mad at myself and so ashamed that I would lose, that I lost control. Um, and I would do this pretty much in secret. People didn't know how much I ate. And, you know, my body, you know, betrayed, betrayed me because I, I put on so much weight and it was very obvious that clearly I was not, I, I wasn't sticking to my, my healthy plan. So 
um, that was it. I was an emotional eater. And it wasn't until I, I came to know, you know, I tried so many diets to control my weight, um, you know, diets and exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions and, you know, all these different things and 12 step programs and therapy. I went to an eating disorders therapist twice a week for a year, but nothing really changed with my eating. You know, I mean, I would, I did good for a while, but then I'd always break out and binge. And I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet. Cause I never knew what size I was going to be. And I rarely hit the the low sizes, you know, so yeah, I was like up 30, down 20 pounds, up 10 pounds, down 20, up 40, you know, I was all over the map. So that's how it went for me for a long time. And it wasn't until I finally was able to address and heal my emotional eating and the, the underlying causes that I really, you know, my weight evened out and, um, you know, thankfully for, for several decades, I've been in a thin body and I'm super, super grateful for that. Cause it was really hell for me, but based on what I did to heal, I created a system, you know, a very, very, um, simple, um, simple system for overcoming emotional eating. And that's what I do with heal your hunger is I teach, you know, women across the globe, how to overcome their, their eating struggles, not by dieting, but really going deeper and dealing with the underlying causes. And well, I mean, there's a few things that we could tackle there. I'm wondering when you were having those issues, were were the health issues as well as the emotional issues? You know, I uh, this the, I'm very blessed in that I these struggles that I had were in my late teens and early, you know, early in my 20s, and then I found I, I somehow really by the grace of God, I had a revelation at a very young age that this whole yo-yo thing and diet thing, and, you know, this was not a way of life, you know, that this was insanity. And if I didn't do something totally, you know, off, off the reservation, uh, I was going to do repeat this pattern because I'd already done it so many times. I was going to repeat this pattern for the next 80 years of my life. And that I couldn't possibly do that. And so that turning point for me was so valuable. It just came at such a young age that I hadn't really, you know, racked up a whole bunch of physical ailments because my body was young, you know. So whereas my clients now are in their, you know, 50s and 60s and they have joint pain and, you know, diabetes and heart conditions and all these kinds of things, uh, I was spared that because I just had this aha moment so young in my life that I've spent the rest of my life helping others, you know, heal. So I was very blessed not to have a whole lot of, I mean, depression, sure, you know, depression, self-hatred, you know, not wanting to have sex because I thought my body was gross, you know, just completely isolating at times when I was in binge mode. I mean, those kinds of symptoms for sure. But in terms of the physical toll, it was really obesity was, I mean, which is bad enough, but it was obesity without all the other, you know, symptoms that so many of my clients experience. Would you know, um, I don't know if you, if there are actual statistics or if you could hazard a guess, but how many people would you say that who are obese maybe is because of emotional eating or 
along those lines? Well, of course I'm biased because this is my jam. This is what I do. But I, the reason why I do what I do is because I think it is so, it is such a gap in the weight loss conversation. And I absolutely think pretty much, you know, apart from a medication somebody has to take that gives them the side effect of gaining weight, apart from a physical ailment that has weight gain as a side effect or just makes it hard for somebody to get out and exercise. Apart from that, my feeling is anybody who struggles chronically with food and weight is probably an emotional eater. Even, even if they have hormone, you know, a lot of times there's hormone, again, some physical things, hormonal, you know, dysregulation and that kind of thing. But I've talked to so many women who, even if they have hormonal issues, you know, that has weight gain as a, as a side effect, if we dig a little and there's, you know, a little bit more self-revelation, it's, they're still emotional eaters, you know, it's, and it's to nobody's fault. You know, that's the thing is people have so much shame around it. And it's like, I think, I mean, honestly, I think we're all hardwired to have some kind of an emotional connection with food. Otherwise we wouldn't, you know, subsist as a species. So there's gotta be some kind of like mm, feeling when you taste something yummy um, but in terms of people who use food for reasons beyond nutritional need, I think that's a whole lot of people. What would you, in, in all the sort of people that you come across that you've been working with, uh, since you've been doing this, what are the m- most frequent underlying causes of the emotional eating in the first place? There's a lot. Um, and, and my experience is a lot of, you know, people who have the problem, they, they always want to look for one thing. Like, what's that one, like, what's the one trauma? You know, if they're digging around looking for it, they want to find that one thing. And it's, my experience, it's impossible to find one thing. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that one thing that happened as a kid, and trust me, it usually has happened. You know, we've all, you know, experienced something, but emotional eaters especially have trauma, have abuse of some kind, you know, not everybody. Some people had idyllic childhoods, but, but most people have alcoholism, mental illness, you know, uh, abandonment, uh, some kind of drug, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, all different kinds of sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. There's something there was with me, I had sexual abuse. Um, there's something that causes them to turn to food, but it's not just, it's not that simple. Not that that's even simple, but what happens is as kids is that, you know, yes, food is like the most handy and accessible painkiller, you know, way to cope. But we experience other ways of coping through that kind of experience that, um, that then turns into a way of being in our adult life. So, so my point is you have that one thing, but it spawns other, other coping skills that work as a kid, but turn into dysfunctional ways of being as an adult. So, and it's a web of things because the longer you have this dysfunctional way of coping and it's not just with food, you know, the more that the messier it gets. And the the bigger web we we weave um, of of ways that just need to be take you know we have to take a look at and the problem with the weight loss industry is it's all about the symptom of food and weight you know how you know calories and diets and you know all these different things that are based on the physical and there's that's just too surface you know like we have to look at that web of of 
ways that we've developed for coping that don't work for us anymore, especially because they, they, they cause a lot of the stress that we stress eat over. And so, you know, in my experience and in my work, we have to dig into, you know, ways of lessening stress and ways of showing up in the world in a different, you know, in a different way that is, you know, creating a much more peaceful existence so that we're not constantly needing food to anesthetize. So, um, so that was kind of a long answer, but, uh, but basically it's, it's never one thing. So, so let me, I will more directly answer your question. Um, after saying all that, my experience is there's three primary emotions that I've observed in my research that drive emotional eating. And, and, and they're sort of, they're sort of umbrella emotions because there's a whole lot of other emotions around them, um, or below them, but they're, they're three primary ones can be summed up in something I call the PEP test. And PEP, P-E-P, is an acronym um, which which helps just sort of understand, helps people understand why we turn to food. And really, honestly, it works for all addictions. I mean, it's, it's a way, great way to explain all addictions, but for me, it was true for food. Um, and it, it's a way of seeing what food does for us. So um, instead of seeing what it does to us, which we're pretty clear on what overeating does to us. But what I get my clients to see is what it's doing for them. So the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food as a form of painkiller because we don't like to feel uncomfortable feelings. And a lot of the reason why we get into the fix we're in is because we've tried to avoid anything uncomfortable at all costs. And uh, especially things that just aren't pleasant. So, you know, if, if we have a job that we're no longer a fit for, you know, or we're in it, if we're really an entrepreneur, but we're still stuck at in our J-O-B, you know, and there's a disconnect there and it's, and we're suffering from that. We may eat to kill that, you know, that the, the pain of being somewhere we don't want to be. If we're in a relationship, you know, that's, that should have ended five years ago. Uh, we may be eating to kill the pain of being there when we don't want to be there or of abuse that's happening or just loneliness when, you know, we're like ships in a night, you know, passing in a night. So um, it goes on and on, you know, a parent who's sick or we're responsible for taking care of financial burdens, you know, a massive tax bill that we didn't plan on. So these are all painful emotions and the food numbs that pain. So it's a that's to me the number one reason why we overeat. The second letter E in PEP stands for escape. So we use food just to get the hell out of our heads. You know? Yeah. And overeaters are often over feelers. So we feel a lot and we also overthink and we think a lot. So we have racing minds. And so eating, just kind of, you know, getting our goodies, sitting in front of our favorite TV show, it just sort of takes us to a faraway place. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why food helps us. And and certainly there's no other time in history, I think, where this is true than in a pandemic. You know, all of a sudden, our entire lives were upended we had to be at home. We had to, you know, have stockpiled food in our house. We had to be with our families 24-7, you know, when, where we hadn't been before. We had relief before. So 
So everybody was turned into food. I mean, it was so hard not to. Um, we were afraid. We were stressed out, anxious. We could walk out our doors and die. I mean, it was a terrible reality all of a sudden. And of course, we wanted to escape that reality. So that's another way that food certainly serves us. Um, excess eating serves us. And then the third letter in PEP is P. And P stands for, the second P stands for punishment. And so we use food as a form of beating ourselves up. And, and that, it's weird to say punishment because it seems like food is a reward. Like we're like, what? I'm not punishing myself. I, you know, I'm, this is my reward. I wait all week for this chocolate, you know, candy bar, you know, or, or whatever. Um, how am I punishing myself? But if, it, if somebody's like me and they eat more than they plan on eating and then they feel yucky and then they're bloated, you know, and then they have a cascade of health issues, gut issues, you know, whatever in response to what they ate, it's like, why would you do that? You know, why would somebody eat excessively when they know it's going to have these physical mental, emotional consequences. Like, why would you do that when you end up hating yourself? Why would, you know, a rational person would say, that's insane, you know? And so it's like, why would I do that? And so it begs the question, you know, and, and the answer is, well, I, there's on a subconscious level, I am, I'm doing this. I'm beating myself up. And it's because we have a lot of guilt, you know, overeaters or overfeelers, as I said, and we feel guilty about everything. We're so sensitive, you know, so it's hard. We, things don't roll off our backs like they do for other people. We're like constantly thinking, what did, you know, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I should have done this. You know, it's relentless. And it's it's a subconscious desire, I believe, you know, on, on account of guilt to just beat the crap out of ourselves by our eating or eating things that we know are going to cause us pain. So to recap, PEP stands for painkiller, escape, and punishment, you know, because we want to, you know, kill the pain that we're feeling emotionally. We want to escape our reality when it's tough. And we want to just sort of beat ourselves up, you know, when we're down on ourselves. And food does all these things, you know, and it's all in one, all in one package, all in one package of cookies. <laughs> you can accomplish these things. So, um, that's really just a way of sort of helping people see, you know, at first somebody might hear emotional eating and think, this is exactly what I thought when I heard about emotional eating. Like, that's really stupid. Like I, that's not me. I just like food. I like food. But, you know, if somebody digs in a little bit then, and, and after hearing this, I think it's hard to not know this, right. Or not, you know, and, and I appreciate you having me on because anytime I get to say this stuff. I think it changes somebody's consciousness about their relationship with food, hopefully, you know, where somebody's looking at it and thinking, you know what, there's something more to it than I just like food. You know, the fact that I go to the refrigerator five times of an evening, like looking to see if there's anything else that appeared there, <laughs> you know, to satisfy me. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it, 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 I'm hungry for something deeper than food. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you are looking for deep support to create the health and life you want, we invite you to consider one-on-one coaching sessions with Tony. 
coaching sessions give you personalised guidance to fit your unique goals and life situation. Only a limited number of spots are available, but you can easily get started by booking a free introductory call at tonywinyard.com. Now back to the show. Well, I mean, one of the things I was thinking of as you were saying that is that I guess the issue is compounded by, and you mentioned in your own issue that you tried numerous different diets and the food industry or the diet industry, there's so much misinformation and people naturally are just going to get despondent after trying so many different things. So then added to the whole thing, there becomes a sense of hopelessness as well, I imagine, with a lot of people who become a bit. Oh, my God, of course. It's, I mean, and that was me. You know, I just, I got there sooner, but you know, when you try so many diets and they don't work, you know, when you're, when everybody's like raving about intermittent fasting and, and you try it and you just bend your brains out the minute your window opens up to eat, you know, you're like, I am such a loser. Like, that's what I thought. I'm like, I am so hopeless and everybody gets it. You know, it's working for everybody, but me. And that's so not true. You know, but that's the story we tell ourselves. And that's why all my programs are are done as a group because there's so much healing benefit of hearing from other people and realizing we're not the only ones who can't follow the diet. Um, It's so powerful. And so, uh, but yes, the shame and the self-flagellation that comes with failing at diet after diet, you know, and having a doctor or a health coach say, Oh, do this, eat this. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and then we go eat something else that we shouldn't. It's like so humiliating. So there's a lot, there's a lot of that going on. So what steps did you take to, you know, to solve your issues? So I, uh, I was so blessed to find somebody who told me my problem was not food. It was much deeper than that. And I, that's, I, I went deeper but it's, it's a combination of things. It's not just, you know, and people say, oh, go deeper. I should go to therapy. You know, my experience is I, therapy didn't heal my eating issue, my disordered eating, um, because I was in my head too much, you know. And so I had to get down into my heart. And my experience is that happened once I was in the company of other emotional eaters. So, like, my mentor had been obese, you know, and was showing me how to heal. And that connection was so much more powerful than a therapist, not to knock therapy, but I needed to, I needed somebody who got me, who got, who knew what it was like to be powerless over a cookie, you know? And so that is, that to me is a component. That's one of the, you know, requirements in my experience of healing is that you are, you know, it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, one alcoholic, you know, sharing with another, like nobody else can. So Um, So that's super important to be in community with other emotional eaters, for sure. Um, That helped me tremendously because I've done so many weird things with food. I mean, I'd I'd thrown binge foods out and then gone gone and, you know, dug through the trash to get those those last cookies, you know, left. I mean, how who else is going to get that? (laughs) You know, it's really gross, but I did it. So there's a lot of shame and humiliation and any addiction, frankly, but with food, for sure. Um, so that's an important component, uh, for me also, I learned how to bring down my stress and to really manage my stress in a healthier way. So, I mean, I used food so many times to modulate my stress. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do this, 
you know, is that, you know, having a business is stressful. And I know from personal experience, so there's a lot of pressure on you. There's a lot, you know, there's just, there's pressure and there's stress. And so, and, and especially if it's an online business and we're, we're online, you know, all the time near the kitchen. Um, so, so it's easy to stress eat. So I had to do something to manage my stress in a healthier way than, than using food. Um, so I developed a meditation practice, you know, uh, with the emphasis on practice, I'm still not good at it. I've been doing it for 30 years, but I'm, I'm still practicing it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a daily thing though, a daily habit that is like non-negotiable for me. So I do that as a non-negotiable and I teach that uh, to my clients. And so meditation is so powerful in so many levels, you know, and it also helps me get connected with myself. So, you know, I can't, I can't, it's not about food. It's not about diet. What it's about, it's about going deeper. How do I do that? Well, you got to get, you got to wake up. You got to wake up to yourself and meditation is a good way to do that. Writing is a good way to do that. Journaling, you know, certain, you know, going through your day, what, what things bothered me, what things, you know, pissed me off, like, like what's heavy on my heart. Like I got to get that out. You know, if I don't get it out of me, I'm going to stuff it down. Another thing is communication. You know, emotional eaters tend to stuff what they want to say, you know, and that's because they, tend to be like big people pleasers. And so like, we want everybody to like us. So we're not going to be honest. Well, that has a, you know, a high consequence. And the consequence is I, I stuff what I really should have said instead, not that I'm to go around being mean to people, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean, <laughs> uh, super important. Cause I want to have guilt from being a bitch. So, um, so, but, but learning how to communicate my feelings in a responsible way, learning how to be honest, you know, and not feel bad if I have conflict or if I have feelings that aren't so, you know, aren't the happy, happy high notes, you know, I have to be real about life is not all happy, happy high notes life. You know, there's, there's diff there's highs and lows and there's great feelings and there's not so great feelings and I have to embrace all of it. So, so much of the time I used food to stay up, you know, to stay happy because I thought it wasn't, I thought it was okay, like not okay if I was down or bummed out, you know? So it's just so much of it's about really embracing myself, you know, warts and all emotions and all, and really learning how to address those emotions. So those are just a few of the meditation, the writing, um, spiritual reading. Um, it's really important to fill my mind with positive thoughts um, so that I can, you know, get off the negative track, the negative I suck track, you know, so a lot of these things is just feeding myself, nourishing my soul. Like it's really important, you know, we're not hungry for food, we're hungry for nourishment at a deeper level, spiritual nourishment, connection with other people. So I have to, again, find replacements for the food. That's why diets are silly, because you just take, you take your number one coping tool away and expect to be happy not going to happen. You know, you're going to be barren and without coping, you know, mechanisms and you're going to go back to the food. That's what we do. We're like, whoa, life is hard. We're going to go back to food. So in order for life to not be hard, we had to find new and healthier coping tools. So the, your clients that you're helping, I'm, so once they've actually lost weight and they're now, they're far more happy with what their weight is. But then I imagine there's, there's going to be a confidence issue as well because they're thinking, oh, well, now if I stop working with Trisha, 
Am I going to go back to the ways I had before? How do how would you say you help them give give them that confidence that they feel I can stay at this way for the rest of my life? I'm 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 okay. Well, my experience is there's no cure. And so it's it's really important to stay in connection with other emotional eaters. So that's I mean, I have community where people can actually at a very, very, you know, nominal fee, they can stay on and get continual support. Um, but, you know, 12 star programs are free. Um, uh, so so my experience is you don't walk away. Uh, you, you have to do certain things on a daily basis in order to remain free as I do. Like I, I do what I teach. I have to do what I teach so I can remain free. So, um, in terms of confidence, I'm always going to tell people that they need support from somewhere, somehow to can, to, you know, with other people who are on this personal development path, because food is, food just got my attention, but I needed to change my life. Like I had a living problem, not just an eating problem. And so it's really important for people to know that if you just, you know, there's, you have to continue these habits, you know, for sure. I know you're a habits person, so, um, you have to continue it. And so, um, you know, my experience is easier to do when you have support. So getting support from, from the right people who will understand what you're trying to accomplish, Um, and can encourage you and people who are doing similar things is really important. Like on your own with any addictive habit, you're not going to do it on your own, you know? So, uh, I just think it's really important that people realize that the food is what gets our attention, but it's really about our personal development, you know? So if you stay on that, you stay with, you know, beginner's mind of wanting to learn and develop, personally develop and become the best version of yourself. If you keep that attitude and always trying to improve yourself, um, you know, not that you're like, you know, exhausting yourself with, with the idea of personal development, but just always remember that that's, that's why we're here. Like, that's why we're here. And food is, food's what, you know, got us on that path. I'm very grateful I was an emotional eater so that I could start meditating. You know, I could start doing things that were going to benefit me regardless of whether I was an emotional eater or not. Um, but getting support to continue these habits, I think is vital. So if someone maybe is listening to this now and they're not happy with their weight, they're maybe not happy with their, with their body image, whatever the case may be, and they feel they've tried everything. So would, well, I guess it's just a case of what, taking a look at your website, seeing what you offer. And then, I mean, do you do like a sort of exploratory call or anything along those lines yep we do on my website actually there's an opportunity to sign up for a breakthrough session an an emotional eating breakthrough session for sure there's also a quiz where people can find out where they are on the emotional eating spectrum because as i said i think we all have the tendency it's just a matter of how like what kind of control you have and what kind of consequences you're starting to you know um build up and so if somebody takes that free quiz they're going to learn where they are on that spectrum and that's often i say that's the best you know first step but they can also book a session as well so where do your are your clients mostly in the states or is it quite sort of ge- geographically spread uh, primarily the states, but um, probably like your listeners, UK, Australia, some South Africa, New Zealand, you know, other English speaking countries. And where, so if people do want to find out more about the program, where would they go to? 
Um, well, I have a podcast, so uh, it's called the Heal Your Hunger Show. Um, I'm on Instagram, Trisha Nelson underscore underscore at the end of Nelson. And then my website for sure is probably the most direct, which is healyourhunger.com. Okay, and they can find out a lot more there. And have you have you considered like writing a book or anything along those lines? Well, thanks for asking. I do have a book. <laughs> I should have mentioned it. Nice, nice job. Um, it's called Heal Your Hunger: Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's also on my web. There's a link to it uh, from my website. So Heal Your Hunger: Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. It's a great place to start as well. Well, and, and as we're talking about books, is there is there a book that's that's really moved you at all, Tricia? Um, I have a book that is ha, is like daily spiritual reader. Like I mentioned, spiritual reading, and um, the book that has changed my life the most, I'd say, is this book by um, by a, sort of a theologian philosopher um, from early twentieth um, century, and his name is Emmett Fox. Emmett is E M M. E.T. Emmett Fox F.O.X. and he has a book called Around the Year with Emmett Fox and there's daily, you know, I'm kind of daily messages. I'm kind of ADD, so I, I, you know, reading long things at a time is not my jam. So I need quick and easy messages. <laughs> so um, this is like a daily uh, reading from his different sermons and lectures, and um, it's what it did for me. I mean, he was a Christian theologian minister, but kind of more around the uh, philosophy of metaphysics, not so much a religion. And so I, I that reading this, I, I've read it for 20 years, probably daily, you know, the daily reader. And I just keep going around, you know, to the start of the book. It helped me really get a sense um of God not being a bearded man in the sky, a white bearded man in the sky, you know, it helped me realize that God and the spirit of God is in my heart, you know, and inside of me. And that has been so powerful for me um, over the years to get that transition. Cause I grew up religious. I had, you know, we went to church every day. I mean, every Sunday and, and that kind of thing. And I did, I didn't resonate with it. It just, it didn't, I appreciated it. I loved the hymns, you know, I loved uh, some of the rituals, but in terms of feeling personally connected with a higher power, with a God, I, I didn't feel it um, much, I guess I should say. I probably did a little bit, but but this this book just helped me realize that, wow, God's everywhere. God is love and God's right here in my heart. And that just helped me so much. And well, I believe you've, you have an affirmation that you quite like. Yeah, and it's kind of connected to that. So somebody told me, my mentor told me many years ago that I'm God's favorite baby daughter. And so even though God isn't really a, a, a literal father, you know, but the idea of that was so sweet that I, I'm like, okay. And so I, it became my affirmation. I am God's favorite baby daughter. And I say that all the time. And it just, again, it's helped me believe it. It's helped me believe it. And I just, I live in the world with this, uh, a, a bit of entitlement, like I'm God's favorite baby daughter. Like, of course, good things will work out for me. Like, of course, of course my life is awesome. Like, of course, like, even though I'm afraid it's all going to work out, it's all in divine order. So just affirming that I'm God's favorite baby daughter and anybody can say it, of course, and any man can say it about being God's favorite 
uh, baby son, you know, it's just, it's just helps me realize how loved I am and how protected I am. And that's, that's lessened my fear because so much of my eating came from fear, you know, just feeling a sense of uneasiness and like everything wasn't going to work out. And so I, you know, so many people of eating disorders, they eat out of anxiety. Um, so the more I know that, you know, I'm totally, you know, whatever this God is, and I, I, I don't claim to understand it, but um, I know it's, I know I'm, I am protected and loved and it's, and it's with me everywhere I go. Cause it's right inside of me. So that's helped me tremendously. Well, Trisha, thank you very much for well, the last half hour or so. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your, your journey and, and all that you've done. And yeah, hopefully you can help some of the listeners to, to the show as well. Oh, I would love that. Thank you everybody for listening. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you, Trisha. Next week, episode 32 is with Dr. Renee Wellenstein. She is a functional medicine practitioner and went through quite a few changes in her life. She had quite a bad accident in 2012 and she fell off a horse and had numerous injuries and it, she ended up with a broken back and broken spirit and it was when she was laying in a hospital bed that she realized she needed to make some changes and we're going to go through some of the things that happened in her life and how she got into functional medicine and and how it is that she operates now and how she helps people so that's next week episode 32 with dr renee wellenstein if you know anyone who would enjoy this week's episode with um trisha nelson please do share the episode with them and hope you have a great week see you next week Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.